Halashin for Halas? Want to bry or fine dine? Stay tuned to High FM on 101.9. Join Adrian Bagatti for Essen Fresen, Tuesday mornings from 11am, where it's all about the food. Good morning and welcome to this rainy Tuesday morning, which you will see is very appropriate for today's recipe. I'm Adrian, and we're going to continue with our virtual culinary journey, and that is courtesy of Karen, who suggested that we travel off to England. So, of course, the rain is very appropriate. But we're not going to talk about England the whole show, as I've got lots to share with you. And as always, we're talking about food. Later on, I will share an iconic English dish and a little bit about the Jewish history in England. So the year is winding down and it's time for us to start thinking about going on holiday, sending the kids off to camp or having everybody stuck at home for weeks. So I thought we'd look about what to do for snacks and how to sort of monitor what you're spending on your December food budget because January is around the corner too and then it's time for school books. So we want to keep it uh, uh, from getting out of hand and having something left over to spend on the books next year. So the first thing we do is there are a million different options. And to be honest, like I love cooking. Uh, If you love cooking as much, you know that it's often – you know, just a joy to get in the kitchen to relax while you're creating. But there it does come a time where you just have enough. You know, cooking every day, three days a meal for like three weeks is just a nightmare. Um, and even I would find that a challenge. I think everybody does. Thankfully, I've even got people who can cook in my house, but they're not going to do much. And it's still going to be left down to me. And so this is why I say that When I go on holiday often, especially in the past, I actually tend to work harder on holiday than I do at home. And this is because when it's vacation time, there is no domestic help to wash up those dishes. When we go away, it's self-catering, but I can't use their dishwasher because we're kosher. And it does make things different. It makes things a little harder. And it's the food that actually causes the biggest issue. But being Jewish means food is an absolute integral part of our lives. So whether you're kosher or not, you're guaranteed to be schlepping food whichever place you're going to. And we have to think about that. What snack to pack for our little angels for camp? Even though there is a tuck shop and three meals a day. The next thing is, if you're going away, what do you need for the drive to your destination? The car snacks, the lunch, because heaven forbid we travel more than an hour without something to eat. And, you know, it is an important thing to think about. Depending on how long your journey is, you are going to need, whether you're going to have to stop somewhere to have lunch or just to keep the kids occupied in the back from trying to murder each other or ask, when are we there yet? You're going to need something besides games because there are only so many versions of I Spy and um, number plate bingo that you can find. So the first thing I want to know is what is your go-to snack for traveling, like for in the car or on the go, something that's easy, that's not messy, that you can just hand out a little packet to everybody and there's stuff in it for them. What do you pack with? So you can send us an SMS to 34519. SMSs are charged at 1 Rand 50. 
and you can send a telegram on 061-895-1019. You can also call the studio live on 010-140-3020. Whether you are chalashing for chalas or wanting to braai or fine dine, this is Essen Fressen with Adrian Bagatti. It's all about the food. Okay, so we're talking about packing snacks and things for trips and that. I thought about covering a little bit um, on trommels. I remember having lots of discussions for camps, campers wanting to share with a friend an extra trommel just for their snacks. And when you happen to mention that there's a tuck shop and that there's actual food there, it's yucky food and you, the queue at the tuck shop is a mile long. Well, I mean, cooking for a thousand people, chances are you're not going to please everyone. And the food's probably not that bad. I mean, the times I've been there haven't been bad at all. Um, so that that's something. But the first thing we had to put in the trommel camp, the, the trommel for camp was instant noodles. Now, kosher two-minute noodles are around 27 rand each. And those are for about 85 gram packages. As opposed to the non-kosher ones, which are about 10 rand for, I think it is 75 grams or something. So it's slightly smaller, but it's still a lot cheaper. But you're going to camp, you can't take trafe. And that's just the rule. So we found a quicker solution. And that was the fine egg noodle nests from Woolies. It's a packet of six. And it works out to around 10 rand a nest. And then we sent like a mixed spice, a herb uh, or some kind of spice that we could put in and they just had to put it in a cup with boiling water, cover it, leave it for a few minutes and they had instant noodles and it was a pleasure. The other thing that you're traveling with and this is for, I mean, this doesn't only work for trommels. This works for anybody traveling anywhere you want to go and that is tuna, and canned corn, canned baked beans are often a very common thing. If you're like me, I like sardines, so I'll take those with. And they go in your luggage along with the can opener, and obviously your disposables need to go with. And then obviously your chips, your chocolates, your sweet treats, and that's just to tide them over until the talk shop opens again. Uh, you know, And I do see, like, when we get clients from overseas, I do see them bringing all their snacks with not realizing how lucky we are here in South Africa. We are privileged to be able to go anywhere in the country and find kosher food. The only thing you're likely to have to take with, obviously, is your meat. And if you keep Chal of Israel, you'll have to take that stuff with. But otherwise, the range of products that are kosher are just amazing. So it is easier to do that. And it's kind of a habit we need to learn to break is we don't need to take every single item of food with us. We need to take the basics and then work out our budget while we're there. And please remember when you are working out your budget, it's for takeout and it's for your grocery shopping. You do need food. That is an important part of this. If you're going to obviously take your pre-cooked food with, you need a way to take that down. So that needs to be planned as well. But I have to tell you that Pre-cooking all my food before we go on holiday just feels like such a schlep. You know, I'd rather just stick out the bra when we get to wherever we're going and everything's solved. Everything gets cooked on the bra much easier. And just for those who are Chal of Israel, I just want you to know, we have got Chal of Israel all over the weird place. 
I found it at Checkers in White River and then at the Pick and Pay in Hoodsprate. Also had Israel cheese and milk. So it was quite an amazing find when you're out in the middle of nowhere. Please tell us, do you have any shortcuts that make things easier for you for when you're going away? You can send us an SMS on 34519. SMSs are charged at 1 Rand 50. You can send a telegram to 061-895-1019. Or you can call the studio live at 010-140-3020. So we're going to come up to talking about England and our recipe and our Jewish history. But I thought I'd cover a little bit about what's in the recipes today and a bit of background about them. And this is a very simple, very cheap recipe to make. It's actually quite easy. Um, I think it was more expensive because I used almond, almond milk for mine instead of regular, which is more expensive. But if you're using regular milk, it's not that expensive at all. And we're going to look at some choices about what the ingredients are and how do you choose your ingredients when you see a foreign recipe. And the first one is the recipe asks for all-purpose flour. You can search high and low in South Africa. We don't have all-purpose flour. So when you're wanting to use all-purpose flour, according to Snowflake's website, you use bread flour. And the reason for this is that White, the cake flour is more processed, it's whiter, lighter, and obviously for cakes so that it doesn't, you know, it's just more airy. Whereas the bread flour is better for making sauces and gravies and thickening things. Um, and obviously the more dense breads, you don't want your bread to be like cake. And it does seem to, I mean, I've used my cake flour to make colors and it doesn't come out just quite the same way. I don't get that rise from it. So that, that's an important thing to, to remember. Now, one of the important things to know about flour, believe it or not, is that it doesn't matter what flour it is. White flour, brown flour, whole wheat, semolina, even cassava flour. As long as it is pure flour with no additives, it is kosher without a kosher stamp. Okay. Obviously, once it's been added to a premix, like your muffin mixes or whatever, then it's going to require... Um, some heksha because there are other ingredients added to it. And and that's an important thing. The next one is eggs in a recipe. Now, eggs in South Africa, if you're coming from overseas, you'll notice that our eggs are not refrigerated. And that is because our eggs are not washed at the factories or at the chicories or whatever they call them. And so they can go home and be kept at room temperature. Obviously, if we're sitting at temperatures of 30 and 40, you're going to want to keep them in a cool place, like a cupboard or something. It doesn't have to be in the fridge. But if you are in like Canada, the US, Australia, where your eggs are refrigerated because they've been washed, and that washing process removes an outer layer called a bloom from the eggshell, which allows then bacteria to get into your egg and can cause salmonella poisoning, it is important that you use your eggs within two hours of removing them from the refrigeration in summer. And in winter, you need to use them within an hour. So depending on how hot it gets, you have to use them quite quickly. And then our next ingredient, and this is for the vegans, for recipes that ask for egg and you can't use it. We have something called aquafaba. Now aquafaba, we can get it everywhere. The reason is 
It's the juice in the cans of your chickpeas. So if you buy a can of chickpeas, you use your chickpeas for roasting or whatever you're going to do with them. But the aquafaba you can keep and add is an egg substitute. And what's nice is you keep it in the fridge and you can keep it for up to two weeks if it's in properly sealed in a in a like a Tupperware, like a container. And it's how to know how much aquafaba is. Well, a large egg is 60 moles approximately or 57 grams. So when you want to use the aquafaba, you're going to do a direct, you know, substitution. And if you want to make meringues, you just some add some cream of tartar into your aquafaba and it whips up beautifully into meringues. I'm Adrian Bogarty. You're listening to the Essen Fresen Show. Whether you are halishing for halas or wanting to braai or fine dine, this is Essen Fresen with Adrian Bogarty. It's all about the food. So today I said we were going to England. Thank you, Karen. And so we're doing a very classic English dish, Yorkshire pudding. So Yorkshire pudding is not only very easy to make, it's cheap as well. And I mean, I served it instead of bread. So it makes a nice, light, fluffy roll. And when I was baking it the first time, I thought, this thing is not going to fill anybody. It is too light and there's not enough ingredients. And But two, of, two Yorkshire puddings as a side dish were more than enough for all of us to eat. So um, I think my husband had three and my son had three. But the rest of us managed with two and one of them had one. Um, you know, and found it very filling, which was great. So let's talk a little bit about the history of England. So the first recorded Jew is back in 1070. Now, they were there from 1070 until they were expelled in 1290 under King Edward I. And then again, now this means that there were no recorded Jews. There was no one seen overtly practicing Judaism. It doesn't mean that they hadn't gone underground and were practicing in private. But in 1656, a small group of Sephardi Jews began openly practicing Judaism again. And this was under the rule of Oliver Cromwell. And he didn't actually officially invite them back, but he didn't make it impossible for them to practice Judaism anymore. So that was a good thing. You know, he, he was just... They were there and it was a part of life, which was a good thing for us. And something sad to to read about was that during World War II, only 70,000 Jews were given permits to enter England. And 10,000 of those 70,000 were children. I actually have a family member who was one of those children on the kinder transport. But today, England is thriving and there are over 260,000 Jews in England and a further 15,000 throughout the rest of the UK. So a good number. And obviously, we all know they're centered Manchester, Gateshead, but there are some, you know, in the main, England, main part of London, but they're all over. So we have Jewish centers everywhere. So let's go into the Yorkshire pudding recipe. Now, I didn't understand what Yorkshire pudding was. I thought it was like an actual pudding or like a heavy thing because you're normally like a potato something because it's served with roast beef traditionally. But after the recipe, I'll give you some different ideas. So the first thing is 140 grams of bread flour. So it's 200 moles, four eggs or 200 moles of aquafaba um, if you're vegan. Then 200 moles of milk, or if you want to keep it parav, or you are lactose intolerant or dairy intolerant, 
then almond or soy milk works well, and some sunflower oil, which is for the cooking. So like I said, like literally, there's three ingredients in the batter and then oil. It was very easy to make. So the first one is it's a very, very hot oven. 230 degrees if you're on a normal oven. If you've got the fan assistant oven, you can do it at 210. So you need to preheat your oven first. You need to put some sunflower oil into 12, into like a muffin pan, into 12 of these little things. I would use two because it did make 12. It made 24. So, and the oil sort of needs to be like, a few millimeters thick. If you put too much, which I did in the one, when I took it out, it just dripped oil everywhere. Then to make the, and you put those nonstick pans into your oven with the oil in so that it heats up really well. Um, So as you put it on to preheat your oven, put the pans into the oven at the same time. Then to make the batter, it's flour. You put the flour in a bowl and you just beat in your four eggs until that batter is smooth. And then you slowly add your 200 moles of milk and you carry on beating until the mixture is completely lump-free. It must be very smooth and then just season to taste with salt and pepper. It does need it, otherwise it just tastes like dough. It is quite an eggy batter, but that's what makes it a pudding and not a bread. Now, you're gonna, it's a runny batter, so you're going to pour the batter into a jug. You're going to carefully remove the hot tins from the oven And you're going to pour the batter into each muffin hole. Now, I made a mistake of of pouring it three quarters full and this thing exploded all over. It was so big. So I would say about a half of that hole, half the muffin tin um, filled so that it's got space to grow. Because even without the baking powder, this thing grows quite big. So that, and you put the tins back in the oven Uh, leaving your oven door closed, don't open, don't check on it. And it's 20 to 25 minutes cooking time until the puddings have puffed up and browned. Now, what I liked about this was you could either serve it straight away or you could put it in the freezer and use it for later. So if you're somebody who's living on your own or if there's only two or three of you, then it's nice. It's a big bulk thing. You can put it in the freezer. You reheat it for the next time you want to use it. So that's how it's worked. Like I said earlier, traditionally the Yorkshire pudding is served as a side dish with roast beef, but it actually can be served as if it's bread. It goes really nicely. When I was looking for ideas to serve my Yorkshire pudding with, because I wasn't doing roast beef in the middle of the week, there were some nice suggestions and some weird suggestions. So the better suggestions were things like stews and mincemeat, and even vegetables with cheese that you can put in these puffed up things or just, you know, eat them on the side. I did read that you could serve it with mashed potatoes or um, buttered pasta. And I don't know, maybe it's just the old nurse in me, but two heavy starches on one plate would be a bit much. Although my one child said they thought the mashed potatoes would go really well. So Yorkshire pudding and soup. That, to me, was the perfect combination for last night's supper, especially with the rain. I was going to make spinach soup, and then I decided I didn't feel like cooking at all. So I had some minestrone in the freezer that I took out and reheated, and we had it minestrone soup with the Yorkshire puddings. If you want to bulk up your meal, just add some meatballs to your minestrone to cook it up, but you don't need the spaghetti. 
So I'm actually going to share a second recipe, and that is an instant minestrone. Now, I have previously sent, uh, done a quick minestrone, and it used cans of condensed uh, soup, which I have not been able to find recently. So I needed to look for another one, and this is what I've come up with. So it's a one liter of stock. Whether you make the stock from scratch at home or you put stock powder or stock cubes into a liter of boiling water, doesn't matter, but it's one liter of vegetable stock. One can, it's a 400 gram can of chopped tomatoes, 100 grams of thin spaghetti broken into short lengths, 350 grams of frozen mixed vegetables, and then just for topping is to drizzle olive oil or grate some Parmesan-style cheese, which I did. I used the vegetarian uh, Parmesan-style cheese, and it's delicious. So your method is to just bring the stock to boil with the tomatoes in, add your spaghetti, and cook for about six minutes or until done. Add a few, uh, like a few minutes before the pasta is ready, you're going to bring your frozen vegetables in, which will drop the temperature of your cooking and you need to bring it back up to boil. Then simmer for two minutes until everything is nicely cooked. Take it out, serve it in bowls, drizzled with some olive oil and parmesan. You're done. Now, like I said, if you want a more filling thing, you can add meatballs. And what I would do then is I would cook the tomato and the stock with the meatballs um, for about 10 minutes before adding the pasta, um, just to make sure that they're all cooked right through. Now, both these recipes will be available on the Chai FM website, which is chaifm.com after the show. And you can have a look under the recipe tabs for them, or you can find it on cookedsteps.co.za. And I would love to know if you try these recipes, if you've ever made a Yorkshire pudding, that would be amazing to try out and to see how that goes. That would be something you know, to find out how you serve your Yorkshire pudding. Do you do it the traditional way with your your uh, roast beef or do you serve it as a, I think I saw somewhere, a custard? Um, so I'd love to know that. Whether you are halishing for halas or wanting to braai or fine dine, this is Essen Fressen with Adrian Bagatti. It's all about the food. Remember, today's trip came to, to England came from Karen. So if you'd like to suggest our next journey, please let us know. You can send an SMS to 34519. SMSs are charged at 1 Rand 50. You can send us a telegram on 061-895-1019. Or you can call the studio on 010-140-3020. I'm Adrian Bugatti. And time for the kosher updates from around the world. There is actually a quite a fair amount to get started with. So, um, sorry, excuse me. So, once again, I need to remind you to please check with your rabbi about whether these hechsherim uh, are acceptable to your community before you go ahead. So, the first one is obviously from South Africa. We want to use, you know, start at home. And... There was an announcement that Fairview Gouda 20 milligram, uh, sorry, 20 gram uh, mini platter cheese pack was marked kosher. It's not. And if you did use it with, say, like onions or mustard or any sharp ingredients, please note that your kalim do need to be kashered. So um, speak to your local rabbi. Then from the OK, 
Hearst ham peas split peas with artificial ham flavor. They are kosher as marked as the ham flavor is artificial and not real. So you can use them with pleasure. OU has a few announcements. So Friendly Farms pumpkin spice coconut whipped topping is dairy and not dairy equipment as marked. Trader Joe's licorice twists are dairy as well and not dairy equipment as marked. Then all plant burger locations will cease to be under the supervision of DC Kosher. Plant burger is spelled P-L-N-T. So, um, and then also they announced that Angzo Cider, which is A-N-X-O, is no longer certified by the DC Kosher as well. Now, plant burger locations, the reason they're no longer kosher is they've thankfully expanded and grown and um, DC Kosher does not feel able to manage so many um, establishments. Then the Benton sandwich cookies, which are labeled OU Dairy, but on fact, the true status is at this present time dairy equipment. Now, what dairy equipment means is that it's the, the product itself doesn't contain dairy, but it has been made on a equipment that has been used for dairy products. So that is why. So it is still parav, but you cannot use it with meat meals. So that's something for you to remember. Then for those living overseas as well in Seattle, there's a place called Island Crust Cafe, and it is scheduled for opening today at 11 a.m., so the, Tuesday the 8th of November, and it is under certification of Va'ad Harabanim of the Greater Seattle with a Hashkaha Timidis, which means it does have kosher supervision from the time they open to the time they close. So it's not a guy popping in and out. It is proper supervision. Then there was an announcement from the same people um, on the 30th of October that due to a kosher violation, Island Cross Cafe on Mercer Island has been closed immediately until further notice. If you've purchased purchased anything from them, it may not be kosher, and we advise you not to eat it. Um, then from Hofke, Mykonos cultured vegan butter is dairy equipment. So the outer packaging says dairy equipment, and on the inside the label says parav. It is technically parav, but it has been made on dairy equipment, so you would not be able to use it when making a meat meal. But there is no actual uh, dairy in, so if you're vegan, you are safe. Then from London, we have a few announcements. And something I found out this week, which I didn't know, is that kosher products from the UK without a KLBD sign on them are not guaranteed kosher once they leave the shores of England. Um, so if something is kosher in the UK, it does not automatically translate that it will be kosher if it comes to South Africa or if you find it in the US or wherever, Australia or anywhere like that, um, it, unless it has that stamp on it. Um, and I'm not sure why. I don't know if it's repackaged or if there's something to do with that. Whether you are halishing for halas or wanting to braai or fine dine, this is Essen Fressen with Adrian Bagatti. It's all about the food. And we are talking about kashrut updates from around the world. So we're in England at the moment, and what better place to get the updates from the, the London Beth Din? 
So the first thing that they've come up with is they said kettle chips, lightly salted, and kettle chips, sea salt, and crushed peppercorn are kosher if they produced in the UK. Unfortunately, the KLBD logo was left off in the recent batches. So you can still have them. Then Tesco Free From Cheeses has been replaced by Tesco Plant Chef Cheese Alternatives. And unfortunately, the product is no longer kosher. Dalston Lemon Ginger Beer and Cherry uh, Sodas are formulated with grape juice and therefore not kosher. J2O Fruit Blended Orange and Passion Fruit Ice Lollies were previously called Fruit Fusion Orange and Passion Fruit Fruit Lollies. These are no longer kosher due to the new reformulation. Then, only halva and tahini sold by Sesame Kingdom is certified by the KLBED and not their frozen yogurt range. And Starbucks, refresher drinks, cool lime, strawberry okay, and pink coconut all contain grape juice and obviously are therefore not kosher. Then from Kosher Authorities of Detroit, there's a couple of those. So S. Rosen's breads, buns, and rolls with an OU are available at Costco, and these are Pass Israel. Natural ovens, bakery, keto-friendly white bread with an OU inkjetted onto the individually wrapped loaves, also available at Costco, are Pass Israel. Trader Joe's Challah braided egg bread that bears the Earth K symbol and states Pass Israel is Pass Israel as marked. Now, this is from overseas, um, and South African, the UOS doesn't, as far as I know, hold by this. Pure, unflavored honey is acceptable without a heksha. Flavored honey does require a heksha. Clover, wildflower, blossom, and orange honey are types of honey that are not flavored, and they are acceptable without a heksha if they're unflavored. Honey in honeycomb is acceptable, but be careful not to squeeze the honey from the comb on Shabbos. Bee parts found in unfiltered honey should be removed. And this is the reason that um, most places do say that um, honey does need a hersha. So I'd like you to remember to contact us if you've got any ideas, if you want to tell us where to go next to, if you want to tell us any recipes, to share any recipes, anything like that, please do let us know. You can send an SMS to 34519. SMSs are charged at 1 Rand 50. You can send a telegram to 061-895-1019 or you could call the studio on 010-140-3020. And those are your updates from around the world. I hope you have a great week and stay dry. I'm Adrian Bugatti and I was your host for today.